Today's episode is being recorded Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, and in it I will be talking about Batman and four albums from when I was 14 years old as the main events, and there will be some other stuff here and there as well. You guys know how the show goes by now. As always, I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, Checkmates. It's your old Uncle Derek. Hope you're doing okay. Happy New Year to you, assuming that you care about it being the New Year. I have never been one to celebrate New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, particularly. I will sometimes end up going to a party or playing a gig or something like that, but not. Uh, it's not a big deal to me. It's an arbitrary passage of time. It's just a, a day to buy a new calendar. It's It's just organized so that we know what season it is, that's really all that's going on, and we don't just keep numbering months higher and higher, we're numbering years instead. That's all that that it is. Uh, Everything is the same on January the 1st that it was on December 31st. This year, that seems doubly true. We still have Donald Trump not conceding the election. We still have a pandemic going on out there. We, in fact, have a pandemic that is mutating going on out there. So... Uh, happy New Year! It's uh, meet the New Year, same as the old year. That whole thing, and uh, I don't. Uh, I've never gotten it. Never understood it. The closest thing that any of us should celebrate to a New Year is our own birthday, because that's when we kind of renew, and that's kind of our own individual New Year, and that's you mark a year of your own life. That's that's worth celebrating. But New Year as a concept, eh? Don't really care. Uh, don't care for gunshots and fireworks, don't care for champagne. Uh, I like the champagne a little bit more than the gunshots and fireworks, if I have to choose. As you may have guessed, my New Year's Eve and New Year's Day were pretty uneventful, pretty low-key. Uh, well, maybe not uneventful, but they I didn't go anywhere or do anything to mark the occasion. I did, however, on New Year's Eve, break a toe. That was big fun. I uh, did it the same way anybody does it. Uh, I was walking around barefoot in my house and uh, was walking through my kitchen and I, when I texted my dad and brother to tell them, hey, I think I just broke a toe, FYI, uh, I texted them and said that I hit my foot on the side of the island in my kitchen, which is just kind of what I said because it was easier to text that than the, the full story. By the island? In my kitchen, I have a guitar stand that's kind of a case, uh, kind of like as shaped like a small guitar case or a big briefcase or something like that, uh, made by the Fender people. It's in beautiful Fender tweed covering, and uh, uh, it holds three guitars, and it's a big, sturdy, heavy case. And that's sitting there holding three guitars, and that's actually what I smacked my foot on, not so much the island, but the guitar stand case thing. And uh, it was one of those things where I obviously felt it happen. I didn't hear or feel the break exactly, but uh, I did kind of feel the pain, and my first thought was, oh, that's, that's gonna bleed. And I looked, and it wasn't bleeding, and I thought, well, maybe I'll get lucky here, and it just hurt. And a couple minutes later, I was like, yeah, this 
hurts a lot, and flexing my toes hurts, and uh, th- that one's starting to swell and bruise, so I, I broke a toe. Uh, didn't go to the doctor for it, not because I'm that kind of guy, I'm not like a man's man, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to the doctor for a broken toe. Uh, it just, with a broken toe, the toe itself looks fine, it's not deformed in any way, there's nothing weird looking about it other than it's bruised. It's not even swelling anymore, by the way, but it's, uh, it, 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 it bruised up pretty good, but there's nothing... It doesn't look like it needs to be reset, you know? So it's just, with that, all they're going to do is tape it up and tell you to do the same. So I just taped it up, and I'm, I'm, you know, keeping it clean, keeping it taped up, elevating it, icing it, all the stuff you're supposed to do. And that's how I'm handling my broken toe. Uh, that is how I spent my New Year's Eve. The irony is... The one small thing I did to mark the occasion of it being New Year's Eve and and the new year and everything is I had bought myself a bottle of wine. I bought myself a bottle of Riesling, and uh, I was just going to drink some wine and say, well, Happy New Year to me, I guess. And uh, I didn't because I was a little concerned that if it got worse, I was going to have to go to a hospital, and I didn't want to do that with uh, having drunk wine, so I didn't drink any wine. Uh, and ironically, the wine that I bought, I decided to save a little bit of money, and I bought wine by the Barefoot Company. So the irony was not lost on me on that one. Happy freaking New Year, Uncle Derek. So that's how things are going for me so far <laughs> in the new year. I hope that they are going better for you. If not, then I hope this show at least gives you a smile or two along the way. And hey, if you like the show, why not visit the companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. There's a player there that you can listen to the show, and there's there's uh, uh, pictures and maybe a little bit of stuff written up and stuff like that. Uh, the show, of course, is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com, and you can listen to it on your podcast app of choice. You're probably doing that now, but CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're just about everywhere that is a place that people normally use. If you like me and want to know more about me, you can go over to my website, which is in need of an update, at uh, DerekBrink.com, but there's a lot of stuff to read there, mostly about my musical career. And if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can download it all for free at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. Just enter zero as your purchase price, and you can take it. I won't even know that you took it. I don't collect your email. I would just love it if you loved it. That's all the stuff that I have to say at the top of the show, and boy, is it a mouthful. We've got a fun one for you today, I think, anyway. I'm saying this before I've uh, actually recorded any of it, so it's it's hard to always know. But in my head, it's fun, and I like the stuff I'm going to be talking about, so why shouldn't you? This It'll be a fun one. I, I bet it's a fun one. We're going to talk about some music and some animated cartoonery, and it'll be a good time. Uh, there's going to be music playing here and there that you can download. I just said that. I think maybe the broken toe is affecting my brain. That can't be good, right? I mean, those aren't even connected, really. So maybe something to, maybe something to monitor. Hard to say. Uh, hang around for more show. Then you offered to help me out with that You treated me wrong When you strung me along Then you put the blame on me When it all went bad I can still remember the hallway Where 
We're in a weird little cycle right now where I don't really have new stuff to talk to you about. I haven't really bought anything new in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I got a couple things for Christmas, but nothing that I, I really want to dive deep on. There's, uh, you know, nice stuff, stuff that I like. But it's stuff that uh, the the multimedia, the music that I got, I haven't really listened to yet. And the other stuff that I got is stuff that you don't really need to hear me talk about. So I'm, I'm in a weird little place where I haven't got anything new and exciting to, to share with you. That, uh, I mean, it's it, this is the stuff that I've got, like, for Christmas and whatnot is, is new and exciting to me. But uh, not not show stuff. So we're we're in a weird stage where I've got to find stuff to talk about. And one of the things that I found that I just sort of bumped into and wanted to talk about is every now and again something pops up on Facebook or social media that catches my attention, and I go, "Oh, that'd be that'd be fun to do on the show." So I'm doing one of those. One of the things that went went around the last couple of weeks was a Facebook thing where you had to post the album covers of four albums that came out when you were 14 years old. Now, why 14 years old? I have no idea. Maybe somebody's trying to run some kind of date of birth scam with uh, phishing your account information. That, that's never the case. That's never actually happening. People say that that's the case, and those are the same people who think that they're putting microchips in the vaccine. Th that's that's never the case. There's There's no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy out there that will ever affect you in any way. There's every now and again somebody tries to cover something up, they usually get caught. There's there's no conspiracies. There there no conspiracy would ever work. Want to know how I know that? Because I've tried to get more than 3 people to dinner at the same time at the same place. You can't get human beings to work on a micro level in such detail to make a conspiracy work. No one's trying to steal your ID by asking what albums you listened to when you were a teenager. That's just not happening. You don't have to worry about these things. Just post the four album covers and shut up. Stop saying crazy stuff in your Facebook statuses. You're part of the reason we're in the situation we're in now. I liked the thing that was going around Facebook that said, please post four uh, album covers from your 14th year of life. Uh, with no explanations or anything like that. I, however, am the type of guy who really loves to give explanations, so that that part of it didn't appeal to me, and I actually didn't even do it because I wasn't, uh, I just, whatever reason, I was just kind of thinking, ah, I'll save that for the show, I'm not going to do it on, on the Facebook, even though it's a lot of the same people who listen to the show that know me on Facebook, maybe that's why I decided not to, no reason to be repetitive for you folks. But I've got my four that came out in my 14th year of life, and uh, I, I did this by my own birthday, by how the calendar fell on my own birthday, so we're talking very end of May 1994 to very end of May 1995. That's when I was 14, was right in that area. So we're not, we're not calendar year 1994, we're not calendar year 1995, we're kind of tail end of 94, start of 95. That's that's where we're looking. And I've got four here in no particular order uh, other than... Nope, it's not even alphabetical as the, as the CDs are in my hand. This is uh, just four albums that jumped out at me as I looked through the Wikipedia entries for albums that came out in those two years. And these four jumped out at me and they were all important to me. As, of course, is any music that you listen to in your teenage years. That's always going to be the stuff that you go back to the most and that you love the most. And that's certainly true of these four albums that are in my hand. They're four albums that really mean a lot to me and I wanted to talk about each of them 
And that is the thing that we're doing right now, is I'm taking a Facebook meme and doing it in real life. So four albums that came out when I was 14 that mean a lot to me. And that's what we're doing in this segment. And we will start with this first one right here on top of the stack that you can't see because it's an audio show. And that album is Dream Theater's Awake. Now, like just about anybody that's gotten into Dream Theater, or at least anybody my age who got into Dream Theater, the first song I ever heard from Dream Theater was Pull Me Under, the only single, the only hit they've ever had. Uh, well, they've had other singles, but the only hit they've ever had, uh, the biggest the, the biggest and best-known song in their repertoire, the one that they have to play, their Ace of Spades, if you will. Pull Me Under is the song that got me into Dream Theater. That album, Images and Words, got me into Dream Theater. Didn't see them on that tour. Saw him on the next tour for the first time, the Awake Tour, because the album Awake was the first album that came out that I was aware was coming out, that I was counting down the days that I was ready to hear the new one for Dream Theater, you know? And I have in my hand the beat up and cracked and, and mangled CD case that uh, I've had for all that time, my copy of Awake right here. That is actually true of all four of these albums. They're all my original copy, and they're all showing some definite signs of wear, and that's uh, that's kind of cool. That's part of what I love about the physical product. Awake is uh, one of my favorite Dream Theater albums. Probably not quite my all-time favorite. That uh, That's probably Scenes from Memory, Metropolis 2. That's probably my favorite Dream Theater album, as is almost anybody's who was on board at that time in the band's history. But uh, Awake is a great album. It's one that I go back to a lot. It's one that I... Uh, it's one of those albums that I think about some of the songs on here and I'm just transported back immediately to a time and a place and thinking of friends who were around at that time. And, and it's, it's just one of those albums that deeply connected with me. One of the heaviest albums that I was into at the time, although I was into a little, little bit of metal here and there. I liked some metal, but... Uh, I mean, certainly songs like Lie and The Mirror and whatnot was the first stuff that I was like, yeah, this is as angry and as distorted and as uh, metal-sounding as, as, as what is in my heart. And uh, so it was kind of helping me branch out into a different form of, of heavy metal and whatnot. And uh, just a great album. Really great album. Tracklist is Six O'Clock, Caught in a Web, Innocence Faded, Erotomania, Voices, The Silent Man, The Mirror... Lie, Lifting Shadows Off a Dream, Scarred, and Space Divest, and there's not a bad song among those. I'll tell you the truth when I listen to the album, as I do from time to time. I will sometimes skip over Rotomania because when I'm driving, I sometimes don't want to hear an instrumental track. So sometimes that one gets skipped every now and again, but if I'm listening to it in my house, I absolutely let it play. It's a, it's a great instrumental track. It's uh, it's a really cool album. It's got a good mix of that metal vibe that I was talking about before, along with very ambient and balladish stuff. Uh, the Silent Man is an acoustic ballad, sort of the end of a three-song cycle there, from Erotomania to Voices to The Silent Man. Those are sort of tied together. And uh, Lifting Shadows Off a Dream is very kind of ambient and, and pretty, and Space Divest is a piano piece that's just beautiful that... Every time I think of it, I, I miss Kevin Moore, who was the keyboard player at that time, because it was just great work, and uh, he's he's done a, a decent amount of work since then, but I, I haven't kept track of him as much as I really should have. His band Chroma Key was really good, though. But yeah, Awake was the first Dream Theater album that I, I kind of thought of as my Dream Theater album, and like the one that, uh, yeah, I, I, that I bought for myself for the first time, and... Uh, 
love the cover of it with the the gray exterior and then the bright world inside the mirror on the cover and it's just a cool album it's just a cool album it's one that i have listened to a ton over the past how many years is that 94 to 2021 that's math no one could possibly do but over however long that is i've listened to this album a whole lot and uh i've really enjoyed it and it's uh it's one of my favorite dream theater albums if you're curious about dream theater not a bad place to start the awake album maybe maybe if you've been sleeping on dream theater pick up awake give it a spin give it a listen and know what it was like to be me when i was 14 because you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna have a good time with that you're gonna have a good experience with it and you're gonna want to hear more and maybe get a little bit obsessive as i did the next album in our little pile of cds here that was from 1994 when i was 14 years old and uh, I did check, this was 94. There's there's one or two in here from 95, but this was 94. Uh, the third album by Pearl Jam, Vitology. Again, I've got my original copy here in, in hand, and it's a little bit beat up, a little bit worse for wear, and that is how I like it. I've also got you know a newer copy in, in the other room there that's part of a collector's box and whatnot. So the, sometimes these things get replaced. But I like keeping my original copies because... This is the copy that I pick up and I touch and I remember the 1990s and and the things that this album got me through. Uh, great album. It's 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 clearly it's the third album that the band did, as I said, and it's clearly one that was a little bit designed to get rid of the folks who were just bandwagon jumpers who you would go to the show and just scream for them to play Jeremy and not want to hear the new stuff. This one was clearly meant to derail some of them because it's a weird album. It's got a lot of weird stuff going on with it, which listening to it now, it doesn't come across as quite as jarring or quite as weird because now we're used to this version of Pearl Jam. But when the version of Pearl Jam that you knew at the time, that when this was the new album and like the last Pearl Jam single that you heard was maybe Animal or, you know, something with that grungy... Aggressive Eddie Vedder swinging from rafters and whatnot type vibe to it. Although there were ballads, of course, on on verses the second album. But when when you're used to the grunge sort of punk rockish version of Pearl Jam, and then you get Vitology, it's a kind of hard left turn because it's very conceptual in its way. It's got a weird theme to the booklet. You don't quite know what's going on here. There's like the booklet has a bunch of weird quackery medicine stuff written in it and it's it's just it's it's a strange concept to just flip through it it's based of course on a book that is the book vitology and pearl jam just sort of put their own lyrics and stuff in with stuff from that book uh the book of vitology is out there somewhere or another and um it's it's odd i've looked at it i've never picked it up and bought it but it's uh, it's a really interesting CD, and it was really jarring when it came out. And this is another one of those that just when I first heard it, I went, okay, I, I want to go deeper with that, and I want to spend time with that. It uh, Pearl Jam was sort of the music of my high school parking lot. You know, everybody I knew listened to Pearl Jam, loved Pearl Jam. I was a little bit behind the ball on them as uh, as far as what some of my friends knew about them versus what I knew about them. There were people who were definitely bigger Pearl Jam fans than I was that I ran with at the time, but I've since caught up to them, of course, and I'm actually probably more invested in them now than those guys and girls uh, were at the time because uh, I've, I've continued spending time with Pearl Jam and loving them and collecting the new stuff. 
and some of those folks probably haven't, and that's okay. You can always come back home. And Vitology is kind of one of the places I think of as home for Pearl Jam. This is another one of those albums that I feel like this kind of mapped out the rest of Pearl Jam's career that followed. It's one of those, one of those quintessential albums that you have to get to understand a band. The track list, and even on the CD, they divided it up into sides, which I think is really cool, because Pearl Jam has always been fighting the vinyl fight. But the track list, they call it in the sort of book format here, Division 1 and Division 2. Division 1, Last Exit, Spin the Black Circle, Not For You, Trimmer Christ, Nothing Man, and Whipping. Uh, if it stopped there, that's an incredible album. I mean, Not For You, one of the quintessential Pearl Jam songs. Uh, Division 2, aka Side 2, is uh, Pry 2, Corduroy, one of the best songs that Pearl Jam has ever written, the song they should open every show with, Corduroy. Uh, Bugs, Satan's Bed, Better Man, which is one of those songs that you just instantly hear when someone says it, and even if it's not in the context of talking about Pearl Jam, someone says the phrase Better Man, and you just start singing that song in your head, it's with you forever. I.A. Davanita, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing correct, actually. I've never said that out loud before. Huh, funny. Uh, Immortality and Stupid Mop, or otherwise known as Hey, Foxy, Mop, Handle, Mama, That's Me, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, uh, Stupid Mop is the song that ends it. There are a couple songs there that are clearly meant to be album tracks that are clearly never meant to be performed live, that probably have never been performed live. It's uh, them kind of just loving being in a studio doing something that's entertaining for them, and I always kind of love it when a band does that. This is another one that, again, maybe I can't say that it's my favorite Pearl Jam album, but it's up there. It's it's top three or five, anyway, and it's it's one of those albums you've just got to have if you want to get into this band. It's, it's quintessential to listen to Vitology front to back at least a couple of times, because it's, it's, again, one of those blueprint albums that everything that came after it seems to have started here, and it's a great album. It came out when I was 14, and I'm still listening to it a lot to this very day. Another one that I've been listening to a lot, especially recently with recent happenings that I've talked about on the show, is Van Halen's Balance. My favorite Van Halen album. I'll go on record with that if I haven't already. My favorite Van Halen album, Balance. It's uh, the last one with Sammy Hagar. It was the one where Eddie cut his hair short. It was the one where the tension within the band was very, very evident. The the subsequent tour was rough, although I still went to see it and had a great time. It, it, just everything around this album, this is an album born out of frustration and out of conflict and out of tension, and you can hear that in the album, and it was perfect for me at that point in my life. This actually came out, I think, early 1995. Uh, yes, the the... Uh, date on the album confirms that. Came out in 1995. And sort of end of 94 into 95 was a rough time period for me. I, I could go into detail, but you don't need me to. It was uh, it was just a bad time, and there was a lot of internal conflict and strife and, and pressure and weird stuff going on in my life. And this album really spoke to that and really kind of fed into that. It's another one of those albums that I just look at the cover 
which is one of the worst album covers I've ever seen in my life. It's Eddie's son Wolfgang kind of split into Siamese twins on a teeter-totter for some reason. It, it, it Bad album cover. If you open up the CD case and look on the back of the album sleeve, there's a much better album cover, which is just a, a, an egg balanced on the fretboard of a, of a guitar during Equinox. That makes a lot more sense. But anyway, I just look at the album sleeve for this record and I think, wow, that's I just a, a, a flood of memories comes back. At the time, Van Halen would have been probably my favorite band, and they released an album that just seemed to be speaking to everything that I was going through. And I remember getting this album and my friend Paul coming over and we listened to it with the lights out and candles lit and just enjoyed the hell out of it. And it's just been one of my favorite albums since that time. I remember waiting up late on MTV to see the first airing of the video for Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do, because that was the, the lead single, and uh, just everything about this time period in my life floods back to me just looking at the cover of this, much less listening to the album. The track list, The Seventh Seal, one of the coolest songs they've ever done, one of the coolest entrance tracks that they've ever done. Sammy Hagar has used it in his uh, his solo sets in recent years, and it's it's just just a great song. Uh, Can't Stop Loving You, which was a single and, a, and did pretty well for him. Uh, uh, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do, again, uh, I just mentioned that one. Amsterdam, weird track. Uh, Big Fat Money, Strung Out, which is bizarre, because what it is is it's just the audio of Eddie slowly disassembling a piano, that he, and he just recorded it for some reason. And if memory serves, I don't even think it was his piano. I think he destroyed someone else's piano and then put the, the soundtrack on the album. So again, we've got another album here that has tracks that were just clearly never meant to be for live performance, and I always find those interesting. But Strung Out, not worth your time to listen to, but it's it's on the album, and it's interesting. It's followed up by one of the prettiest things that they've ever written in the song Not Enough, one of my favorite Van Halen songs. Uh, after that, Aftershock, Doin' Time, which is kind of a drum piece. Uh, and then you've got an instrumental track, which not a lot of instrumental tracks in Van Halen's catalog, so it's interesting that there is one here. I mean, there are a handful, but the, it's a, it's just kind of an interesting one. Uh, named after a dinosaur, and I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, sorry anybody out there who's a paleontologist, uh, Baluchatherum, I think is probably how you would say it. Uh, it's a, a cool instrumental track with, like, Eddie making dinosaur sounds on his guitar, that's just kind of cool. Uh, Take Me Back, Deja Vu, great song. Closes out with one of my all-time favorite Van Halen songs, maybe one of my all-time favorite songs, Feelin', which, uh, again, one of those albums that I don't have anything bad to say about any track on it. There are a couple that are skippable because of what they are, but they're also really interesting because of what they are. This album has been in heavy rotation for me in the past couple of months since the world lost Eddie Van Halen. It's uh, an album full of good memories for me, an album full of bad memories for me, and definitely an album that transports me to another time and place. And uh, I'm going to say again, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen, and thank you so much for giving me this album and giving the world this album that has meant so much to me. It's uh, it's genu genuinely a great listen. If you've, if you've always written off the Sammy era as not as fun as the Dave era, yeah, okay, it's not as fun, but the musicianship, so much better with Sammy in the band. And this album is my proof of that. All you have to do is listen to it. 
if you've never listened to Van Halen's Balance because you're a David Lee Roth guy and not a Sammy Hagar guy, you're robbing yourself of one of the best albums that they produced. In my opinion, the best album that they produced. And you're robbing yourself of some genuinely great music and a genuinely deep experience listening to these songs. So quit being a jerk just because you like a different guy singing who himself is a renowned jerk and listen to this album, please. That's, that's all I got to say. Please listen to this album. Don't be a jerk. It's, uh, it's a fantastic album and I've been really loving it here once again lately. Another album that's kind of a weird one in this particular band's career that has tracks that are clearly not live performance tracks and so on and so forth on it is uh, the last album in our little stack of four here. It's the album Promised Land by Queensryche. Now, I've been a huge Queensryche fan forever, and uh, I, you know, was in on Operation Mindcrime and Empire and all that, and uh, Promised Land came after Empire and is... A very dark listen, a very different listen, a very sort of, it, it's its its own headspace, really. The second you put on the album, you just know that you're experiencing something different from a band that has been all about different throughout their career. I mean, the same band that brought you Operation Mindcrime, which is a concept piece about political and religious corruption and murder and intrigue and all that, is now bringing you an album that gets gets and feels even darker than that in some ways. I mean, there's no description, you know, there's... Uh, Mindcrime had its plot elements where there was murder and, and sex and all that. None of that's on this album, but just as far as feel and vibe and headspace, this one feels so much darker than anything else in their career, and that's part of what attracts me to it. I remember at the time this album was out, seeing an interview with somebody in the band, I want to say it was Chris DeGarmo, where he said that on Empire it felt like there was still a light flickering somewhere in the room, and they walked in for Promised Land and they turned the light out. And it's just a very dark, very, very sort of ominous feeling record, and I, I like that, and it hit me at just the right time in 1994, because I was 14, and that kind of album speaks to a guy like me when you're 14 and things are getting weird. But there's, I mean, I, I, I know that, they, that there were singles that came off this record, but there's, if you handed me this record and I didn't know anything about it, and I listened to it the, for the first time, I would have no idea what the single was supposed to be, because it's, there's not a song on here that you go, oh, there, that one's going to be a hit. You know, <laughs> it's just, there are songs on here that you go, wow, that one's going to make it onto my personal soundtrack. That one's going to be with me forever. But there aren't songs that you think, that'd be great to play at a party. You know? <laughs> Not that Queensryche ever had a lot of songs that were great to play at a party. That was more Van Halen's gig. But nevertheless, Promised Land, I think, hands down, my favorite Queensryche record. And it came out in the same year as some of my other favorite records that... Uh, from other bands, and j just a great album. I'll read the track list to you. It starts with 9.28 a.m., which is just an intro track and not meant for live performance, obviously. The tour they, that they did for this, which was a really cool tour. It was very multimedia-influenced, and Mind Crime was put in there kind of as a suite, as just kind of one of the beats in this guy's really screwed-up life. And uh, it was it was just a really interesting multimedia tour. I'd love to get a copy of that on on something. If anybody knows of anywhere that I could find a copy of that tour, 
in any format. But uh, anyway, 9.28 a.m., it's an intro track, clearly not meant for live performance, and on that tour, they just played it before they came out and started the concert. Uh, it really picks up with the song I Am I, and then Damaged, Out of Mind, Bridge, Promised Land, the title track, Disconnected, Lady Jane, My Global Mind, One More Time, and Someone Else. Someone Else, quite probably one of my favorite Queensryche songs, but nothing that I just read to you is in any way a single. It's it just it's very kind of... It's great songs, and they're, you get really absorbed in them, but there's nothing there that you think, oh, yeah, that's, that's catchy. Uh, one of the bonus tracks that's on the special edition version that I have in my hand because I grabbed the wrong one and not the original copy. Sorry about that. I lied to you when I started this segment. This one's a special edition. Uh, one of the bonus tracks was a song called Real World that they did for a movie, and that was a pretty good single, and that kind of was at roughly the same time. So I think so. It, it's kind of like they used a non-album track to, to promote the album, which is sort of interesting. But uh, yeah, the bonus tracks on here, in case you want this version, the remastered version from 2003, which is also forever ago now, uh, the, the bonus tracks are Real World, Someone Else with the Full Band, which is an interesting listen, and then live versions of Damaged and The Real World again. Actually, just Real World. There's no the in the title. I don't know why I feel the need to insert a the. But Promised Land, hands down favorite Queensryche record. There was a cool, well, sort of cool, not very cool, PC game that went along with it that you could get and, and sort of play and, and click around and be in their headspace, and there was a documentary that was on that that explained that when you were clicking around the game, you were clicking around each member's little area where that he felt was informed by the album and, and that kind of stuff. It, it was gimmicky, and it was sort of silly, but I liked it. And I played it a lot, and I played it multiple times because I was sort of obsessed with this band, and I was very obsessed with this album. But it's it's a great album. It's not toe-tapping, but it's really absorbing. If you like listening to stuff that you've got to think about, Queensryche is a great band for that, at least up through just before Operation Mindcrime 2, when Jeff Tate then kind of went crazy. I, I, uh, that's not fair. He, he parted ways with the band in a very ugly way that didn't speak well for him at the time. Uh, I hope he's doing okay now, and I hope his band's prospering now, and, and that, you know, everything's great in his world. Just at that time, it was it was an ugly situation. Uh, I haven't kept up with Queensryche post that, post that fallout, just because it got confusing with Tate and then the other band members all both doing different versions of a band called Queensryche with very different songs and not the same goals and the same vision at all. Uh, got confusing and difficult, and I actually don't even know who's in Queensryche anymore. I don't think that there are hardly any original members left, because that band just kind of fell apart post-Mindcrime 2, which I didn't even like Mindcrime 2, to be honest with you. I kind of stopped listening there, and then it got weird and, and a lot of internal conflict. And uh, while I've been talking here, I just really quick pulled up who's currently in Queensryche on Wikipedia, and it's Michael Wilton and Eddie Jackson are the only two original members still in the band, and uh, I don't know that I've heard of any of the three other guys. So that's, yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer, because I, I like Michael Wilton and I like Eddie Jackson. They both seem like really good guys, and they're both excellent musicians. I kind of feel like you need a Chris DeGarmo in there who hasn't been present 
frequently for quite some time. And I kind of feel like you need a Scott Rockenfield in there. I I don't know. When your five part when your five piece band is down to only two of those pieces being original members that when when the original members are a lesser number than the replacements that just feels strange, you know? But for the longest time I loved Queensryche and in my head I still love Queensryche. I just love a version of Queensryche that no longer exists and that's okay. I hope their career is going great now. I should maybe familiarize myself with some of their more recent stuff and just see how it's going. But hey, I've been having a blast since the 90s listening to the stuff that came out then and Promised Land is one of my favorite albums and it's one of the four that I would have posted on Facebook but instead I talked about here. take some time this week to talk about something else from the 90s that I liked a lot at the time and that I've continued to like. Maybe it's a 90s themed show. You 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 don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll find out as it, as it goes on. We'll see if we get stuck in the 90s. Uh, let me know by the way if you want to hear me talk about more albums from my teen years. I can certainly make that happen. Uh, there are a lot of them. I want to talk about something else from the 90s. It's a cartoon show that I really enjoyed that I think most of you are probably aware of. Some of you probably watched it. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Batman the Animated Series. I picked up the complete Batman the Animated Series on Blu-ray as a Christmas gift to myself, which I only did because I found a remarkably good price on it. I just bumped into a sale and I thought, well, if I was ever going to buy that, I'm going to buy it now. And uh, I did. So it showed up, and I've been watching it, and I've been reliving those episodes, and it's just one of those things where I both remembered and forgot how great of a show that was. I really, really liked that show. It's one of the things that in the 90s... Now keep in mind, I was a teenager in the 90s, so... I had lived through the uh, Tim Burton Batman movies by the time this came out, the first two anyway, I believe, if the timeline is correct in my head, and I was a fan of the Adam West series that was getting shown on on different TV channels and whatnot, and reruns, of course. So this was not my first foray into Batman. I already liked Batman, you know, by the time they were doing the animated series, but the animated series is probably the thing that most kept my love of Batman alive in the 90s and early 2000s, because they re-ran that forever, and uh, it's probably still out there on some late-night cartoon TV thing or whatever. I'm sure it's on streaming media, but I, I don't watch stuff like this on streaming media. I usually watch the stuff that's made for streaming media on streaming media, but uh, I, I, I like buying the physical products of the stuff I like, so, which you all know, that's the whole thing of this show, but I, I, the, the, the point is, I watched this show a lot in the 90s and early 2000s, because it was just on and kept popping up, and I, I like Batman, and it did a ton to just keep me invested in Batman, and when I got back into reading comic books, the first thing I grabbed was Batman, because I loved Batman from the, from the animated show and from the movies and from everything else, and when I got out of reading comic books, the one regret was that I wasn't still reading new Batman comics, 
and a big part of that is just thanks to the animated show because it was really really good and made I mean made for kids but also a little bit made for grown-ups because you could be a grown-up and enjoy it in fact I remember watching it in primetime a couple of times my local WB affiliate put it on primetime a few times just to you know, grab some of the older folks who, who might be watching they uh, would th throw Batman on or, or Batman and Superman. They also had a Superman cartoon, which I also would kind of like to see if it's on Blu-ray because I've watched a lot of that too. Although not as much of a Superman guy, personally, more of a Batman guy. Uh, it was The show was kind of made for everybody, and it also kind of starred everybody because I did a quick just run through the IMDb page to take a look at the different voice actors because there are a bunch I remembered being involved and in, and a bunch that I had no idea were involved. The show, of course, Batman himself voiced by the fantastic Kevin Conroy, who is one of the definitive Batman voices. Like, in my head, when I read a Batman comic, I either hear his voice or I hear Adam West's. Those are the two voices of Batman to me. And Kevin Conroy did a great job inhabiting that character. His voice is just the voice of Batman. If you ever see a picture of the guy, he is not un-Batman in his actual look. He's a very Batman-y type of guy. Kevin Conroy does a fantastic job with the character. He does a fantastic job of playing both sides of the character, both Batman and Bruce Wayne. He changes his voice to match each character, but it's a lot more subtle than what you might have seen in the Christian Bale movies with him you know, suddenly going all growly voice. The, the shift that Conroy did was much more subtle and much more uh, nuanced, and, but you could still tell they were two different characters, you know? He was just fantastic at that character, and he's done it a number of times. He's reprised it for a number of directed DVD movies and things like that. Uh, just, just one of the fantastic Batman deserves to be on the pedestal up there with the rest of them. I think the entire world, of course, knows that the Joker on this show was voiced by Mark Hamill, uh, Luke Skywalker himself from the Star Wars. Uh, Mark Hamill voiced the Joker. Although I don't know if you know this, did you know that the original voice of the Joker was almost Tim Curry? Frankenfurter himself, Tim Curry, almost did the voice of the Joker. Uh, don't get me wrong, Mark Hamill is the definitive Joker. He's my favorite Joker, I think. Uh, he uh, certainly, in conversation for best Joker anyway, just by way of the way that he did that voice that's in my head forever, he's the definitive Joker. But don't you kind of want to live in a world where we got a Tim Curry Joker? Don't you want to walk around in that world at least for a little while if you can't live there? I kind of want to do that. I would love to hear Tim Curry do that. Tim Curry did do a small role on the show at a later date, just did a, a random voice on it. But boy, I would love to hear his take on the Joker. But Mark Hamill, fantastic Joker. Mark Hamill's fantastic at anything he does. The who's who of celebrity voices that came in and read at least a small part. Uh, celebrity voices and voices that are well-known from animation and elsewhere. It, uh, it's, it's just an incredible list. I'm going to hit you with a few of them. Uh, I, I went through the IMDb page and I just jotted down the voices that I recognized at a glance. There are two voices I was expecting to see that I did not because I've been rewatching the show and I thought that I heard them, but I guess I didn't. I would have sworn one of the voices was Judge Reinhold, but he wasn't listed. I also would have sworn that one of the voices was Alex Rocco, 
uh, but he wasn't listed. The Alex Rocco voice, if it wasn't him and he was just uncredited, then it was someone doing a damn good impression of him. I would have sworn it was him. But people that were involved, here's just a fast list of a whole bunch of names. You have Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, uh, Bob Hastings, who was the original voice of Archie from, like, Betty and Veronica. He was the original voice on the radio of Archie. He did a ton of stuff. Uh, Richard Mall, who was Bull on Night Court, was involved. Robert Costanzo, who has done a ton of stuff as well. Uh, Arlene Sorkin as the voice of Harley Quinn. Fun fact, Harley Quinn, the well-known mall to the Joker slash supervillain in her own right, originated on this show. She was not in the comic books. She did not start in the comic books. She didn't start in the movies. She originated on Batman the Animated Series and is now a pillar of the Batman franchise, so much so that there are entire movies starring her as played by Margot Robbie. Uh, that's awesome. So Ar Arlene Sorkin, great job creating a character that became a legend. Uh, John Vernon was involved, who's an old-timey guy who did everything as well. Adrian Barbeau, Diane Pershing, Paul Williams, the guy who wrote Rainbow Connection, does the voice of the Penguin. Melissa Gilbert, Frank Welker, of course, shows up and he does the voice of a cat because that's what Frank Welker does. He shows up and does an animal noise, or he's Fred on Scooby-Doo for the entire run of Scooby-Doo. He's still the voice of Fred, Frank Welker. Uh, Ed Asner was involved, Ron Perlman, Roddy McDowell, Kate Mulgrew... Harry Hamlin, John Delancey, Rene Auberjonois. There's actually a weird recurring Star Trek thing that happens. By the way, rest in peace, Rene Auberjonois. I really enjoyed interacting with you on Twitter the couple of times that you replied to me. Uh, Tim Matheson was involved, as I said. Tim Curry did a voice. John Reese davies did a voice. Brad Garrett, Malcolm McDowell, Adam Ant, Mickey Dolans, Joe Piscopo, Jeffrey Jones, Adam West himself showed up and did the voice of the Grey Ghost, my favorite episode of this show, LeVar Burton, Richard Jenny, Robert Picardo, Tress McNeil, credited as woman, the great Tress McNeil, Andrea Martin, Maurice LaMarche, Gene Smart, Robert Pastorelli, may he rest in peace as well, Seth Green, Jeffrey Tambor, Grant Shawd, the list goes on and on. There was also a weird Murphy Brown run there that I just noticed between Robert Pastorelli and Grant Shawd. Uh, worth looking into, probably. Just a lot of awesome people involved with this show, and I, I, I love that. And it's, it's just cool to, to catch those voices, even. But beyond that, great storytelling. Great moving stories. There's some real drama and a little bit of comedy that pops up here and there. And you get deeply invested in the way that they tell these stories. There's the blueprint for what Batman became after the 90s is in the animated series show. And of course, the show itself led to spinoffs like Batman Beyond, and there's a great Batman Beyond movie out there that's The Return of the Joker. I'm gonna have to get that too. Jeez. This is the problem with being a collector. You find something that you like, and then it makes you buy 40 other things that you also like. Welcome to being Derek. The one knock that I, that I have against the show is that there was really no continuity to it. I mean, a little bit here and there, but like Robin just kind of shows up and then isn't there and then is there and there's no real like you get Robin's backstory in it but you don't get a lot of Robin Robin is just kind of in and out which is 
fine because nobody really loves Robin. I mean, I'm sure somebody out there does. Somebody right now is screaming at their cell phone while they're going down the highway listening to this that you love Robin. That's fine. But Robin is, you know, not Batman. And those of us who watch the show for Batman don't uh, invest as much in a Robin. Uh, but the Robin character in the show, uh, or Dick Grayson, just kind of comes in and out arbitrarily and uh, not used to his full potential, I guess. And then also with the character of Robin, they don't bother with Jason Todd at all in the show, which I understand. People hated Jason Todd, whatever, fine. But they cut right to Tim Drake as Robin, and he just shows up in a Christmas episode with no explanation. Like, Dick Grayson's just gone, and Tim Drake is there, and then in the next episode, they explain the origin of Tim Drake, so that was out of order. Uh, I don't know if that was just a production error or what, but it was you know, it, jarring and kind of strange. Uh, I just could have used a little bit more storytelling in the Robin arc. Like, you don't really even have a good explanation for why Dick Grayson isn't there anymore and becomes Nightwing. Touches on it a little bit, but it doesn't really flesh it out. Uh, the other knock I have on it is just the way that the animation changed throughout the run of the show. Like, partway through season two, it just changes to a more sort of anime configuration of, like, the faces of, of the villains and stuff. There's just different character models that pop up. Same voices, which makes it confusing, but different character models. And I don't know why that decision was made, if it was, again, just a production thing, if they got a different team of animators or what, but uh, it j just kind of struck me as odd that they just changed the, the, the look of the show partway through. Because only three seasons of it. It was on for like three years, and partway through year two, they were like, ah, let's make it different. And that, uh, I don't know, it was just a little bit jarring, but still good, still quality stuff, still some great episodes in season two and three. But I just, I fell in love with the look of season one, as I think most of us did. Those are the only two knocks that I really have on the, uh, on the show itself. The Blu-ray set is kind of, kind of weird. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's just in a simple slip sleeve. It's, everything's normal like you would expect with the Blu-ray set. But it's just kind of a strange, there are some strange choices made. Like the, the music that plays over the menu screen sounds like Batman goes to the casino because there's just weird chiming tones and, and like it sounds like a slot machine paying out over the credits. I don't know why that is, why that's the one they chose. Why not just use the theme song from the show, Blu-ray set? Uh, also, there's, uh, in the first season Blu-ray set, uh, there's a feature of, like, a tour of the Batcave, and, like, you see the Bat computer and the Batmobile and stuff like that, and then there's Alfred, who is not a part of the Batcave as much as he is Bruce Wayne's surrogate father, but whatever. Uh, Alfred's in there, and the music that they used for the Alfred segment of it is just bananas. It's the loudest thing in the world on the Blu-ray set. It just blares out of the speaker, and it's like a bassoon, just going bum, 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 bum,
It sounds like you're going to watch a British, like, upstairs-downstairs thing, and, like, just the word Alfred is gonna come up on the screen, and it's just following Alfred through a day in his pain-in-the-ass life looking after a rich orphan. That's, uh, and I would watch that show. Wouldn't you watch that show? I think we would all watch that show and love it, but that's, uh, it's just bananas, the feature that is on the DVD for, or the Blu-ray for, uh, Alfred. I, I love that, and it makes me laugh, and I have watched it about six times, just because it, it, it's funny. But again, the show itself, fantastic. One of my favorite comic booky type things is the Batman animated series. I just it's 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 wonderful. It's so investing and it creates so much of the lore that we now know as Batman and makes characters that have become accepted parts of the DC universe and it's just so well acted on all parts. There are only a couple of times where you go, well, clearly the person who did that voice is not a voice actor and this was just a gig to them. And I'll be honest with you, that huge list of names I read, I'm sure some of them don't put it on their resume. It's not like their proudest moment. But for the most part, especially among the main cast, you can hear the investment of the people pouring themselves into that show, knowing that they're doing something that people are going to love. And they were right. People like me did love it. So if you haven't spent any time with Batman lately, and, and I guess in particular if you haven't spent any time with Batman the Animated Series lately, it's out there, man. And it's, it's easy to find. The Blu-ray set's affordable even if you don't run into a sale. I'm sure it's on streaming media, but you know, buy the Blu-ray, give somebody some money rather than taking money out of their pocket by watching streaming. Uh, it's absolutely worth your time. It's fun. There's a surprisingly large amount of it, despite the fact that it was only on for three series. There's a ton of episodes. You'll, uh, laugh, you'll cry, you'll do something else, maybe? If you have a space in your life that only a man shaped like a bat can fill, then why not give it a try with the animated version of that man who is shaped like a a bad. That fell apart on me, but why not watch the show? Watch the show, it's good, that's all I'm saying to you. Super hot take on something from 30 years ago. That's an episode here, Checkmates. Thanks a lot for being here with me here at the start of the new year. Uh, looking forward to a, a good year with you, I hope. We'll see, I guess. It's uh, a lot could go wrong, but a lot could also go right. Uh, I'll tell you one thing going on. I uh, recently upgraded my internet here at the, at the house, at the uh, checking castle? I don't have a name for it that goes with the show. Uh, I, I have fiber internet now, which uh, has been available elsewhere for a very long time, but they just never updated my neighborhood. I think my neighborhood has been on copper wire uh, phone and internet connections since before my lifetime. I mean, obviously, before my lifetime, there was not an internet, but uh, I think it's the same phone line since before I was born. I don't think it's ever been upgraded. They finally did a mandatory upgrade in my area, and they got it, uh, so they called, or they sent me a letter, and I called them and said, hey, I got this thing that says I have to upgrade my internet What and, and phones. What do I do? And they said, well, we'll send a guy over. 
And I didn't know what that meant. They did a very poor job of explaining what was going to happen. I just said, well, okay, but what does he need access to? Like, does he need to get in the house, etc., etc.? Basically just asking, should I clean up? is what I was trying to get at. And their response every time I would ask a question like that was, well, every house is different, don't really know until he gets there. And I was kind of going, all right, I don't know what that means. So I, I tidied up a little, but obviously I didn't tidy up the right places because he did have to get into the house and he was here for three hours. Thankfully, he did it right. He was wearing a mask. He was, we kind of stayed as far apart from each other as we could. Really nice guy, though. His name was Michael. Uh, really nice guy. Just through what few conversations we had while he was kind of passing back and forth. Uh, he's a Star Trek fan. He's a fan of a lot of the same music I like, so we, we got along just fine. Real friendly, real sociable, real easy to work with. It was nice to have an install guy that was the same kind of dork I am. So that that was okay. And uh, installed the fiber internet, and uh, I haven't noticed a huge difference in a lot of stuff. Uh, a little bit. I mean, it, I don't know whether stuff's downloading faster or not, because I don't download that much, unbelievably. Uh, I, I don't really download that much. I don't, I don't know how much faster the download is. I have noticed that my, like, Netflix and Prime accounts are streaming a lot more consistently and better. I'm not getting kicked off. So that's nice. So it, it did something. It's a little bit nicer. I'm looking forward to finishing up this episode and uploading it and seeing how fast my upload speed is now. That'll be exciting. For me, not for you. You won't care. You won't even notice a difference. That's 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 how you are. But I'll I'll uh why did I feel the need to like take that out on you? Sorry. Uh I I'll I'll know whether or not it's faster and I'll be excited if it is cuz uh, that sometimes takes way too long. But uh, yeah, I got the fiber internet now. I'm finally in the 20th century. We'll see about getting into the 21st here sometime in the next couple of years. But it does mean that hopefully there's a smoother, quicker, easier experience for the podcast here, at least on my end, and hopefully that translates to something good happening on your end. I don't know how it would affect you, but maybe it does. Maybe I'll at least feel like I can get this done more quickly and it'll happen easily and more regularly. That's the, Maybe that's... Maybe that's uh, what's going to happen as a result of this fiber upgrade. Honestly, the thing that's going to happen as a result of this fiber upgrade is I'm going to forget about it in a week and uh, something's going to happen and I'm going to be frustrated and think my internet sucks and it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, it, it is what it is. For now, I'm happy that it's here. The only other thing I can say is that uh, that I've got on the horizon, I downloaded a video game called Shady Part of Me that is very ambient and I really like the look of it, but I've only played a little bit of it, so I'm not prepared to review it yet. I'll talk about that sometime in the future when I've completed the game and I can tell you whether or not it's awesome or whether or not it's just a very pretty looking game with cool ambiance that uh, I, I is what I've experienced so far. Uh, I just stumbled upon it looking through, you know, th games to potentially download. I guess I did download that and that didn't take very long, but it's also a relatively small game. It was like 15 bucks and for I figured for 15 bucks, I like the look of it. It might be cool. I'm going to download it. And I've played a little bit of it, and I like the look of it. But uh, I'll give you a, a full review of that once I've played enough of it to say anything about it, if not when I've completed the game. But for now, uh, like I said, I believe that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue to be responsible, social distance as much as you can, wear a mask anytime that you have to be around anybody that isn't a member of your household. Please continue to remember that Black Lives Matter. 
Be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. I love that every kid in the world thinks that they're the first one to call him Fat Man instead of Batman.